Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. I mentioned that we're starting a series called Roadblocks today, and I wanted to connect a few dots just for where we've been over the past several weeks. We, we did a series called The Matrix and used some clips from the movie, and there was two things I want to kind of tap into from that series. The first one is that we are on a mission from God. He is working in this world and he has invited us to be part of this incredible work that he is about bringing a broken and fallen world back to himself. And he's given us a task to be on the front lines and to be uh, the, the hands and feet of his message of love and reconciliation. And then the other point that came out of that was that, that it's not just this mission that's floating out there, but You are the one that he is going to use to accomplish it. He has got land in your family and land in your workplace and and land in this community that he is assigned to you to be his vessel of redemption. You and I are the ones that he has assigned to this task. And then last week, as we celebrated our 30th anniversary, I I tried to uh, frame this pivotal moment in our journeys individually and collectively that there's something uh, significant about uh, 30 years of ministry that God has prepared us and and it may now at this point be ready to unleash us into an age of effective ministry like we've never seen before. And so there was this, this kind of triad that there is this this calling of us to be part of this mission of God. And there is this future place that he is guiding us to and we've been prepared for. And there is this present moment. And if we can tie our calling to this present moment, then we will achieve this wonderful, glorious plan for us that he has ordained before we took one breath on this earth. But the reality is that as we are on this journey of faith together, things can slow us down. Situations can pop up that can derail us or, or makes it seem like we've come to a screeching halt. I, I want you to notice this image uh, that we're using for this series. It's, it's, it's a road heading somewhere, but an avalanche has come and stopped all progress. And haven't you been in those places in your life where it feels like the avalanches and the mudslides have just come in and, and you were moving, you were cooking, you were, you were flying down the, the path that you knew that God wanted you on and then, bam, all of a sudden hit the brakes. And we're frustrated. And we're exhausted. And don't know how we're going to get over it, around it, through it, find another way. But God has something glorious on the other side of that roadblock. And he is, he is said in his word that nothing will stop you from accomplishing what he has for you. And so what we got to do is take some time to figure out how do we circumvent or blow up the roadblocks that, that the enemy will throw in our, play, in our way. 
How do we break through the roadblocks that we ourselves are throwing in our own path, if we're perfectly honest? How do we not let these things that will pop up in the course of human life stop us as we journey together to accomplish the glorious plans that God has for us? That's what this series is about. And I want to give you the punchline of the series. The answer to overcoming the roadblock is not trying harder. Matter of fact, the answer to the roadblock is not even found in us. It is found in the God who has called us past the roadblock. So the question is, how do we position ourselves to be in the right place so that when God moves the roadblock, we are able to take advantage of the work that he's going to do in our lives? And so I was thinking about how to start this series, and I ended up circling around this issue of fear because I think we are more impacted and and controlled by fear than we really admit or are aware of. I mean, we have a society that is fear-driven. Look at the media. Look at the advertisements. Look at how much of what we are uh, convinced that we need is based on tapping into some fear that we have, some vulnerability that we feel. It's a powerful weapon of manipulation. And so there is, I will argue, this weight of fear that we carry around. It is a resistance to us accomplishing what God has in store for us. And, and if we don't learn how to, how to push back this, this, this burden of fear, we will never be able to live fully into the calling that God has for us. Now, now all fear is not necessarily bad. And, and I want to oversimplify this huge topic of fear by trying to talk about it in, in, in terms of good and bad fear in, 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 in the context of Head fear and heart fear, which, which is a drastic oversimplification, but, but follow me. Fear is good in context. Matter of fact, the Bible even says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there is an acknowledgement that God is not just our homeboy. God is not just a really smart being. God is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, the source, the supplier, the sustainer, the all in all. There is nothing that happens apart from the thought and the movement and the will of God. God is completely different than anything else we can conceive or perceive of. And and, and when we come into contact with this God, the first thing we should do is be in awe. And I dare say that if you've interacted with God and you weren't in awe, it wasn't really God. Every time in the Bible that we see somebody have an interaction with God, they fall to their face. They cover their eyes. They acknowledge, I am so far short of this. I'm wretched. I have nothing to offer. It's like being close to the sun in the sky with a lighter. I have nothing to compare. I stand in fearful 
awe of this holy and righteous God. And I'm amazed that that God would want anything to do with me. There's also good fear that I think talks about the wisdom that flows into just human intelligence and human common sense. Let me give an example. If you're walking down the street and a big, snarling, foaming, frothy dog is growling at you, fear is an appropriate response. I think that's logical. I think it makes sense. But being... Um, fearful to the point that you are in total despair, that you are, in my first example, paralyzed by fear so that you don't do anything. That's not good fear. That fear sets us up for destruction. And so that's what I want to make it an argument between a head fear that realizes that there is something beyond my control and and may even do some damage to me, and a heart fear that says, I am in utter despair. People of God should never feel utter despair about external circumstances. I'm going to get more to that in just a second. But the effects of fear, first one, is that we can be paralyzed. If I see a dog that's mean and frothing and coming at me, my thought should be, I'm scared, let me leave. Run, get away, throw him a bone, do something to get out of the circumstance. But if I just stand here, I'm setting myself up for destruction. Let me give another example. Because paralyzing can mean that we are not only afraid of the circumstance, but we're afraid of the solution. And so I don't do anything because I'm afraid of it. Now, again, some of that I think is intelligent. I was watching, I've been interested by these commercials on TV lately. Um, modern medicine is amazing. They can do some amazing things. And there are treatments for conditions that years ago we could do nothing about. High blood pressure and diabetes and heart failure and all of these wonderful things that modern medicine is doing. And so it is great to be able to treat these illnesses. However, have you listened to the side effects of some of that stuff that they pump it out? Your teeth fall out. Your eyes go turn around backwards. Your, your ear will move down by your hip. I mean, it's just some crazy stuff that I got to decide. Maybe I'll just keep the disease as opposed to dealing with the side effects of whatever that is that you're giving me. There's a cost to some of this stuff. And so it takes some intelligence to think, will I go with the disease or will I deal with the solution? I think that's, and, and, and to be cautious about that decision, I think that's intelligence. But, but sometimes these life or death situations offer us solutions that, 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 that are a little more clear cut, but we can still be paralyzed. Let me give an example. Suppose you're in a building and the building catches on fire and you want to get away from the fire, but you're trapped. And so you go up the stairs and you're still trapped. (laughs) Just making sure nothing was happening. Okay, and you're still trapped. And so the fire is raging, it's coming up on you. And so you break the window and you're going to jump out the window. 
but now you're on the 10th floor. So you got a problem. But you look out and there's a fireman yelling to you, jump. And they got one of those trampoline things. And they're saying, jump. Now, you're not sure you trust that fireman down there on that trampoline. But we got a choice to make. Either I take that leap and I hope that there will be a good solution or I stay here paralyzed because I don't like the situation and I don't like the solution, so I just stand here gripped by fear and I burn up. Now, we may not be finding ourselves in burning buildings, but you can relate that to your life where there's a situation that is causing you pain and stress and there's a way out probably that God provided, but it looks a little dangerous and a little painful and I don't really want to do that and I don't like this, so I just stand here paralyzed by my fear of the outcomes both ways. Fear can do that. It'll have us just stuck in a place behind some roadblock that's fallen in front of us, just like that guy, wrapped around and paralyzed by our fear. The second thing that happens when we get fearful is we start taking bad advice from people who are also making bad decisions and would love nothing more than for you to make the same bad decision that they made because misery does love company. And so I can be so fearful about the situation that I'm facing on my job or in my marriage or or whatever my financial crisis may be that I start listening to people who may be in the situation, but I have no evidence, have any insight or perspective on the word of God for how to deal with my circumstances. And while the word of God says advice from many counselors is good, it's advice from the right counselors that's good. But when I get fearful, I'm so desperate for some outcome, for some possibility that I start following pie-in-the-sky dreams. I start chasing whims and hoping there's answers in places that, that I really wouldn't pay any attention to it when I wasn't so distressed and anxious. And the word of God says something about that. Isaiah gives us a very clear word. He tells us in Isaiah 8, 11, this is what the Lord says to me, warning me not to follow the way of these people. Do not call conspiracy everything that this people calls conspiracy. Do not dread what they dread and do not fear what they fear. People of God should be rooted enough to have discernment, no matter what our circumstances are, that we don't just go with the tide every time somebody says disaster is coming. Think about 2000. Uh, Y2K. You remember Y2K? Remember there was like some computer glitch, like somebody did some programming wrong, and that was supposedly the end of the world. People were stockpiling water and food and, and writing their wills. It was, just, it was all going to be over now. I'm not saying I didn't grab a couple of bottles of water just in case. <laughs> just in case. But my Bible tells me that when the end of the world comes, there will be no question about it. It will be God coming back with his angels and everyone around the globe will know that this is the day that God is calling the world into account. I am not going to panic because Bill Gates typed something wrong in on some software. I, I don't see the end of the world coming because of a program. 
that's man-made. My Bible tells me, and I'm rooted in the fact, that when God declares it's time for this world to end, it's time, and it doesn't matter what we do on our side, his word is final. And so I don't chase the, the wind and whim of every disaster, every financial crisis. Oh, it's the end of the world. Oh, it's all. Well, it depends what your, what your self-worth is rooted in. We shouldn't be following the whims and the ups and downs of what the world deems as the end all be all. If we are truly rooted in the word of God. The last one I want to give you as an effective fear is that it causes us to skew reality. I start looking at things as more fatal than they really are. I start making my circumstances everything. And I start not being able to even see where God is still blessing and still protecting and still working because I am so fixated on this area of pain and hurt that nothing else around me can register. I can begin to believe that this situation is so bad that I'm the only one that's ever been through it. I'm the only one who's known pain like this. I'm the only one who's suffered like this. I'm the only one who's been taken advantage and abused like this. It's only happened to me. No one has ever seen anything like this before. Woe is me. And then I could get so fixated on my own pain and my own fear and, and again, the what if factors and, and what could happen and, and, and how desperate it's going to be for me. If this happens, then I start feeling not only is this bad, but I'm pretty sure that God has completely abandoned me. I mean, how could I be in this situation if God really loved me? How could I be hurting like this and dealing with this uh, injustice and this pain and this maltreatment if God really had me in the palm of his hand. And that's where fear goes from up here to down here. Now I've got the kind of fear that is not drawing me closer to God, but it's separating me from God. Now I start questioning, is he real? And can I trust him? And, and is he really, is his word really true? And, 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 and why would this happen if God was so good? And the question I ultimately end up asking is, if God is so good, then where is he? Where is he? If God really loved me, there's no way this roadblock would be standing in front of me. There's no way this circumstance that's got me feeling alone and isolated and overwhelmed, God must not be here. And that's why I think the devil loves fear as much as anything else because that's where he comes in. And what does the Bible say? He comes to steal and kill and destroy. And fear can allow me to get so enraptured in my own area of pain and hurt and disappointment that I stop believing that joy is possible. I stop believing that peace is available. I stop feeling that I am loved beyond measure because I'm hurting so much right now. I don't even see God in my circumstance. That, my brothers and sisters, is what the Bible refers to as a foothold. 
And that's all the devil needs is a foothold. And then he starts playing those tapes. You right? Man, look at your life. A God like that sure can't love a person like you. Man, look at your history. I mean, I know you've asked for forgiveness before, but don't you think he's about sick of hearing about your attempts to be good? Look at what you've done with your marriage. Look at what you've done with your body. Look what you've done with the gifts he's given you. He certainly left you alone. That's why you're in your circumstance right now. And he plays those tapes over and over again. And that's when the weight of fear begins to overwhelm us. And I pull back from God. I pull back from the people of God and I find myself alone and isolated, vulnerable to every attack by the enemy and certainly not moving anywhere past the roadblock that is stopping me from living into the calling on my life. You ever been there? Stuck, overwhelmed by your circumstances, knowing that God has something more for you, but you can't quite figure out how to lift this weight that you can continue to thrive in the calling on your life. That's what I want to talk about. How do we do that? How do we we get past these effects of fear? How do, we, how do we continue on hearing God and experiencing God and knowing God is there? How do we answer the question, where is God when life hurts? You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it already. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. That is someone who declares that there is a God who knows me so well that I don't have to wonder, does he see me right now? Think about the most painful day in the history of humankind. The day that Jesus went to that cross. Think about the agony, not only the physical, the emotional, but the weight of all the sins of the world that Jesus was carrying that burden and he knew that his father was right there with him. And if God didn't leave Jesus alone when he was carrying that cross, do you think he can manage to stick with you in the middle of your circumstances? David is proclaiming that I know this God knows me better than I know myself. Before I even get a word out, he already knows what I'm going to say. Before I'm feeling weak and dejected and alone, he already knows that I'm going to be there. Before these circumstances and roadblocks compiling on my life, he's already seen them and promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. He promised that. And then here's the key. David gives us the key. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, if I go to the depths, if I go to the far side of the sea, no matter where I go, God, you are present with me. That's the key. See, when we ask the question, where is God? We think about it from a very humanistic standpoint. We think geography. I'm in a bad location. I'm in a bad circumstance. I'm in a bad uh, position and I'm looking for God to be somewhere where I can see, touch, smell, or feel him. But God is spirit. He moves in a spiritual realm. He is beyond space and time and geography. He is in all and everywhere. He sustains it all. So the key to finding God is experiencing him in the moment. The kingdom of God is available to anyone who is spiritually connected to the source of life. And it doesn't matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. He is able to enter in to each and every second. Every breath that we breathe is an opportunity to experience the fullness of God who is not confined by our problems. The solution of fear is not some false courage. It's experiencing the presence of God. Why do I say that? Because the word of God says that. I want to give you some scriptures. If we talked about the effects of fear, I want to talk about the impact of God's presence. Because it says, Perfect love drives out fear, and the source of perfect love is a perfect God. So if I can connect my heart to the source of all perfect love, then all of a sudden fear has to leave my situation. Now, let me see, did you catch that? Let me, see, let me say that again. See, the issue is the condition of our heart despite our circumstances. And if my heart is connected to the source of all power, then regardless of what the world is throwing at me, in the midst of all of that chaos, I have access to the fullness of the spirit and the power of a living God because my heart is dwelling in heavenly places. My heart is not confined by my fears. My heart becomes a vessel, a vehicle by which the power of God can flow into my life and give me all that he promises. The full fruit of the spirit is available to us. He says, I did not give you a spirit of timidity. Take off that fear jacket you're wearing. I didn't give you that one. I gave you a spirit of power, a spirit of authority, a spirit of truth, a spirit of victory. That's what I gave my children. And when our hearts are connected to that source, it's available to us. Let me give you some words. I'm going to give you the word and the scripture. You can just write these down and look these up later. First one, the impact of the presence of God is that the presence of God brings joy. Psalm 94, 19. When anxiety was great within in me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Joy in the midst of anxiety is available because God brings joy whenever he arrives on the scene. 
So I don't have to, I don't have to put some on, some, some made up, oh, I'm just going to pretend my problem isn't there. No, that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm going to wish it away. I'm going to think positive thoughts. You can think all the positive thoughts you want. Life will be beating the snot out of you in the meantime. But I'm talking about the spirit of God that comes in with power and says peace to your storms and allows you to be joyful. You don't have to walk around bitter and angry 20 years later because somebody hurts you back when you was 11 years old and you can't get rid of that pain. There's a joy available. There's a healing available. There's a new beginning that's available when the joy of the Lord dwells within you in the midst of my anxiety. I was consoled and you brought joy to my soul. Number two, Philippians four and seven talks about the peace that's available from God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace that transcends all understanding. You don't have to understand God's peace. You don't have to be able to rationalize it or explain it or put it in a calculus formula. You don't have to give any mathematical or logical equations. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind by the power of Christ Jesus. He said the same thing. Jesus said the same thing in John 14. He was talking to his disciples. He was about to leave them. He knew they were going to experience the physical manifestation of being away from God. And he says, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. And it's not like the peace that comes from the world. This peace will be with you on the mountain and in the valley, in the hospital and in the courtroom. My peace I give to you. And nothing can take it away from you. Number three, Psalm 23, verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Evil is still there. Evil is still attacking. Evil is still trying to knock me down. I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are present in the middle of my struggles. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I am comforted because I know that the good shepherd sees me. I know that the good shepherd has a rod and a staff so that when I begin to drift off the right course, he will tap me back right in the path he wants me to go on. I know that when the lion comes to attack the sheep, my good shepherd will protect me from harm. And even though it looks dangerous, even though it looks like I'm going into the valley of the shadow of death and darkness, I know the shepherd has me. And I am comforted by the fact that he's with me. Number five. Psalm 1A, I am working up a sweat up here. Psalm, Psalm number five. Psalm 118, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. 
God promises to help. He promises that he will help. I know sometimes it feels like he's taken too long. I know sometimes it feels that there can be no good that comes out of our suffering. I know sometimes we cry out, how long, oh Lord? But I know that he is a helper. And even when I can't understand what he's doing, his word says, I'm going to work out every single circumstance for your good. There is a blessing in the brokenness in your life and I will manufacture a testimony out of your test and you will look back at the end of your days and say, God, thank you for leading me that way. I wouldn't change a thing. He's a helper. And he's a right on time God. And if you look at your life, aren't you glad that you weren't in control of all the timing for the decisions in your life? I mean, some of the dumb stuff we'd have done along the way, if we just could have been able to, but God opens doors and thank God he closed some of them bad boys too. He's a helper. And he promises he will never put more on us than we can bear. And the last one I want to give you, number six, the reality of experiencing the presence of God that really sums up all the others is his love. The love of God. I want to give you this scripture There's so many that point to this, but I I came across this one and it's, it's probably a little unusual, but I love the way that the prophet phrased it. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. Listen to what he says. For the Lord, your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love. With his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I just just love that. It's not that that God just waves a magic wand and all my problems go away. It's just that I, I get so close to him. But I know that he is here. And because he is with me, I'm not overwhelmed by my fears. I see possibilities. And I trust that there is a blessing on the other side of this struggle that I'm facing right now. I know that there is a destination that he's taking me to and that he will somehow make this roadblock which has me paralyzed and fearful. Somehow, if I just stay close to my God, he will remove everything out of the way. And even if something gets to me that seems painful, I trust that what the enemy intended for harm He's going to work it out for my good. These are the promises of God. 
these are what we cling to when life hurts and we're overwhelmed by our circumstances. The reason why I called it the weight of fear is because just like we work out in the physical, we need to learn how to work out in the spiritual. I, 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 need, I need to get some spiritual muscles that, that, that will train my heart and my mind to draw closer to the presence of God when life is hurting me and scaring me and overwhelming me so that I can lift off of me that fear and walk fully into the creation that God has called me to be. Not to be confined, not to be stigmatized, not to be paralyzed but to be expecting my God to show up and to carry me over, around, through, under, find another way around that nothing, nothing will stand in the way of me becoming what he has called me to be. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church. Located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.